Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening and stay creative. This episode is brought to you by Lost Sailor Leather. LostSailorLeather.com has a bunch of awesome leather products that you can browse. And if you use code RTAF, you'll get 20% off. Cheers. Welcome to another episode of RTAF. Thank you for being here. This week's episode is with Jake Coburn. Jake is a painter, a drawler, tattoo artist, and more. We actually spoke to him over Skype. He's living in Bali at the moment. Yeah, and we got into all kinds of stuff. We talked about Jake's art and his mission with art. We talked about getting bored in nature. We talked about some meditation. All kinds of interesting things, but without further ado, I say we just launch right into this bad boy in three, two, one. Yeah. face man how are you it's nice nice to see your faces too i'm good can you hear me okay yeah yeah sounds yeah, great perfect awesome yeah man um how's life how are things pretty good yeah, yeah. pretty good yeah just hanging out chilling in quarantine making paintings not that much different nice. not that much different really yeah, yeah. just less concerts yeah, i guess I'll- all of my artist friends that I've talked to are like, there's a quarantine? There's a, there's a <laughs> yeah, we've been in training for this for years, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel really grateful to have a kind of um, like a vocation that lets me feel very comfortable being alone with myself for, you know, long periods of time. Exactly. And people totally. that are more reliant on external stimulation and, um, you know, events and and people to entertain them all the time are kind of struggling with all this i think yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how many people maybe pick up hobbies during this time that maybe were just totally externally motivated and maybe finding that creative center inside of themselves too yeah yeah there's been tons of like free online workshops for all kinds of things music and for art and i think that now is a perfect time if somebody has always wanted to dive into some kind of art form but they've never had the chance to try it you know to really just go for it there's no no uses anymore yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see like the creative fallout in the coming years you know because people picking stuff up now it's going to take a little time but it might be interesting to see how many interesting creative things start emerging in the next year into or two you know right yeah i think oh yeah totally yeah i didn't really think about that that's true yeah so what's it like in, you're in bali right 
Yeah. So what's what's that well, situation? Um, uh, well, it's not that different actually. I guess the main difference is that they've um, they've restricted travel basically in and out of Bali. Mm-hmm. So ordinarily, it's flooded with tourism and just people. F- just the streets are packed with people from everywhere, and that's gone away. Which for me, as somebody that lives here, it's so nice mm-hmm. to yeah. just have more peace, more quiet, more space. There's usually a lot of traffic. Sometimes driving on the roads here is just awful. Mm-hmm. So having all these people gone has been really, really nice. Um, there's also been very few cases here and most of the cases that have been here are regulated to the more southern parts of the island so i feel really safe and most of the community that's here is basically you know acting like nothing is different um yeah the main difference is that they've uh, they've closed down events there were a lot of parties and and things here very frequently that Shit. Barely, I think what people are here for is either like ecstatic dance or or yoga, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, Sweet. So you're like, so everybody's just kind of doing their thing, and you're, I guess you're almost getting a little more of an authentic experience of living there too. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a big difference is that the Balinese people primarily support themselves through the tourism industry. Um, so that's been challenging for the the local Balinese people. Yeah. And also, I've I've for the first time ever since I've been here, and I came here for the first time four years ago, I've felt more of a kind of distancing from the locals and the Westerners or the expats that are here because. I think that they're afraid that if there's going to be this thing introduced into their community, it's going to be through the Western people. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like, you know, like they'll, they'll be like amongst their friends and like they're just acting normally. And then you'll walk by and they'll like put their masks on and like act all kind of like paranoid <laughs> around yeah. you, which makes me feel like a little like, like kind of insulted or something. But I understand also where they're coming from mm-hmm. and there are there's like there's a lot of elderly people here too so um i guess that that's a concern yeah wait so how long have you lived in bali i came here the first time four years ago and i was intending it's like i just did this tour in australia and after doing rainbow serpent and earth freak i decided to pop over to bali and i was only going to stay for like six weeks and i ended up staying for six months so that was officially the first chunk of time that i spent here and then I went back to the States and worked a bit um, with, uh, you know, seasonal farming work mm-hmm. and then uh, saved up some some money and with the intention of returning and just living here for like a whole year, but kind of got totally sidetracked onto a whole other journey of traveling through Central and South America. And then I ended up living in Nevada City in California for like a year and a half after that. Right on. And now I've been, I've been here now pretty much um exclusively like i've spent more than three quarters of the last two years here in ubud in bali um so yeah i've been here about two years now solidly awesome nice yeah nice what's that experience like you know what's it like to be there it's beautiful it's um pretty pretty simple you know like i mean especially now that all the events are closed down because there's a lot of 
yeah, festival type things here. Um, I mean, yeah, life is really simple. I take a lot of like walks through the rice paddies and kind of like meditate and do yoga and paint and eat vegan food. And I think that that's what attracted me to living here initially is that it's just a, a really kind of high quality of life and it's very affordable. Yeah. So, nice. you know, I found when I was living in California, there was kind of this constant financial pressure mm-hmm. that was yeah. under the surface and everybody's always talking about like hustling and making money. And it's just mm-hmm. such a, it can, it's so consumed my attention, but being here, you know, it's like it, it relieves a lot of that pressure because it is really cheap to live here. And I can just focus more on the things I, I really want to focus on, you know, like my artwork and mm-hmm. my self-development stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. It's interesting that talking about uh, making money can be a distraction from like making art. And I've found in my personal experience, I don't know if you can resonate with this or not, but when I can tune out distraction more and just focus on my art, it tends to sell better in this weird way. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, instead of being worried about making money and like feeling all these like, nagging things from outside you can kind of like tune into your own localized consciousness and pour out what's what's coming through you and that can act as a support um i also wanted to ask you about so so bali's a pretty like art centric kind of culture right i mean mm-hmm. i've never yeah. been so um were you drawn there because of that or do you think it was, uh, do you, th- mm. <laughs> yeah, were you just drawn there because of that partially? Yes. I, I mean, that was definitely part of it. I think that what led me to Bali is just following the whispers. Like for so many years, people were telling me that it was a place I should check out. Mm-hmm. At the time I was in a lot of, um, deliberation about different paths that I could take. And I thought about, going deeper into art training and and finding some kind of classical art school that I could study at or something like that. And people were like, why don't you just go like live in Bali, you know? (laughs) And I knew there was already a a small visionary art community here. Luke Brown has lived here for many years and Mark Lee and uh, Amanda Sage spent a lot of time here. And it's, it was a place that I was just intrigued by. And when I was in Australia, it was like a $200 trip over here. So I was like, why not? I'll go, check it out but yeah the local artistry is just exceptional yeah there's some of the best artists i've ever seen or met in my entire life and for them it's very different i i don't think they attach a lot of their own ego onto it you know Mm -hmm. it's just what they do and have done for generations it's like literally in their blood you know like Mm -hmm. families of sculptors that go back generations and generations and then they're masters at what they do it's amazing oh yeah that's awesome and and how has like your personal art journey kind of progressed as you've lived there oh so much man so much i mean it's such an inspiring place to be so um when when i first came here yeah it was just a really it was a really productive time and I was just very inspired and, and was at the time drawing a lot of influence from the art that they create too, which I think has definitely seeded its way into my own personal 
vision now, just the way that they they uh, compose their sculptures and and things like that. And uh, it also was, I think that the desire to live here and be able to make it work is one of the things that led to me starting to do like murals and to start tattooing also because I had to find new ways that I would be able to support myself here. And also it's uh, it's been fun to explore jewelry design and um, here it's very accessible if there's something you want to create and the local crafts people are really easy to work with. So I've experimented a bit with clothing design and with jewelry design and uh, making carvings and things like that. So all of all of those resources have really helped my creativity kind of like expand in 360 degrees rather than just linearly as as painting as being the only thing I was doing before, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, right? To give yourself the freedom to not just be a painter and kind of just follow creativity or like wherever your interest goes. And uh, yeah, so do you do you not really feel like too married to any one discipline and just kind of open to however creativity wants to find you? Or yeah, I mean, I I feel like I mean I'm 27 and I feel like I'm I'm still young enough that I could probably spend the next. 10 years solidly of my life exploring all the different art forms and not really need to settle on a particular one, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I've, you know, I DJ and I've been exploring music a lot and tattooing and painting and um, writing has been something I've always done, you know, all these different art forms. I do think that drawing and painting is kind of like my, my first and deepest love. Yeah. You know, like I have this feeling when I'm, when I'm, drawing that's like coming home or, or something like that mm-hmm. that I don't really necessarily feel with the other art forms so I think that'll probably always be my kind of primary focus but a lot of my influences and inspirations are people that that have managed to kind of find a balance between different art forms and it's it's their creativity that is the the thing of value, not mm, what they're yeah. creating, you know. Totally. And I, I, I would really, I would really love to get to a point where I can establish myself in that way, mm-hmm. where it's not about making some kind of thing or like an object or having, you know, a business. But it's, it's like my creativity is is what's considered valuable. Totally. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. Even like, I'm a lot more, you know, pigeonholed or like hyper-focused on painting, but what I started realizing along that process is it's really just about the creative process itself and the connection that it fosters. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the real thing that's going on. And the paintings are just, they're just kind of these artifacts of uh, integrating creatively with life and connecting with other people. It's like the, the lure... You hear me? Hold on, you cut out for a sec. What'd you say? Oh, I was talking with Chris Dyer, and he was saying that the art is like the lure, you know, in, into being able to see the divine creative spark. Mm-hmm. So it's you can you can just kind of like it's like it's like a way of catching somebody and and guiding them hopefully into themselves to see that that place within themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally. And um, yeah, I think that that's it's important to see it that way and to not get too fixated on just the surface of it. Exactly. To see it's deeper, 
deeper purpose also. Mm-hmm. And do you have like, uh, do you feel like a personal mission in your life and what you're doing? I, I think that when I, when I tune in more into the kind of um, visionary mission, that's something that, that does kind of inspire me. Yeah. Whenever I, whenever I seem to focus more on a pursuit for personal gain, it seems to not go as far. And it also seems to leave me feeling kind of hollow and empty. Uh-huh. And I appreciate when I, when I've uh, connected with, or just, just sort of uh, bared witness to uh, artists like, you know, Alex Gray or, or Amanda Sage that seem to be really focused on using their art to serve some kind of greater mission and purpose that, like they're carried through that too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and because they're, they're kind of aligning themselves with a, like a higher energy attractor. So lately I've been reconnecting with that and, and feeling into that. And I do think that we're in a time of collective shift and um, that it is very important right now for people to be able to realize certain truths that as artists we've had kind of, the privilege to be able to to realize uh, more naturally mm-hmm. just the uh, the con- the ability that we have as creators and kind of like magicians in our own lives and that we can all kind of work together to realize a, a vision that's that's beautiful and um i would hope that my art can do something for that you know yeah, I think can help inspire people or something. Yeah, yeah, I think artistic expression is like it's a big factor in uh, maintaining peace in the world and guidance and direction. Mm-hmm. And I think like especially during this strange time is this is like where all of our flowery talk and our high ideas. This is like where we got to really fucking do the damn thing, you know, yeah. and hold it together. Yeah, because it. For it's, sure. Do you yeah. do you think that creating art is enough? Mm. Like as a maybe like a, a practice to make the world a better place? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. I, I, I think like <laughs> if if the whole if the whole world was just like chilling and painting, man, like it'd just be such <laughs> a more peaceful place. Like yeah. people would stop killing each other, I'm yeah. pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Everybody would just like hanging out and like watching Bob Ross videos and right. like making <laughs> Or, happy cloud paintings. Yeah, at least had it as like a hobby on the side or something. Or, yeah, you know. Well, I almost see it in this way as like uh, you know certain people like we're here and it's become apparent. Kind of the cornerstone of what we're doing is creating art. That's our gesture of peace to the world. But then other people are more personally nurturing, right? And then they're a nurse and they yeah. use their creative their creative energy to heal people physically. And it's like if everybody, yeah. if everybody kind of honors how they're pulled to interact with the world creatively, right. I think that's how you create peace in the world. You know, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were talking yeah, it's about. Like oh, go for it, man! What uh, were you saying? I was gonna say you were talking about um, just your creativity in general, and I think yeah, everybody has that in them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter how it expresses, whether it's through, you know, images, music cooking even mm-hmm. i think some of the best art i've ever experienced was like a really lovingly cooked meal hell yeah you know no doubt <laughs> i mean that's a yeah. high statement but you know 
what nourishes the vehicle, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. What were you going to say? I think it creates a lot of neuro- a lot of neurosis when people are, you know, blocked in their creativity too, and probably mm-hmm. a lot of dramas. That's the root of it. It's mm-hmm. just people aren't expressing themselves. They don't have outlets to be able to express themselves constructively. Mm-hmm. So it comes out in all these weird interpersonal dramas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for people engaging in a creative practice. You, you don't have to become like a master painter. You don't have right. to go that deep into it. But just to have some kind of art form, mm-hmm. you know, whether you start to learn how to play guitar or you start drawing a little bit or whatever, I think it's really good shit you cut out again for a sec sorry that's okay Ah. yeah i mean maybe is it is it like if if i cut out and i repeat what i say you can edit out the part where i cut something yeah or maybe we'll just leave the awkwardness in we'll keep it raw yeah we like to usually yeah, like do it, it. mostly yeah. unedited just so that, you know, there's no like smoke and mirrors, like no pretense, you know, no, no bullshit. Cool. Like, yes, <laughs> yeah, the, the internet messes up sometimes. I, <laughs> I was planning on repeating everything I said like three times just so you could get like the best take and like the, you know, the right angle. You're like, wait, you the, know? the lighting's not quite right in here. <laughs> yeah. And then you can just like, uh, you know, like s- smash it all together and make me say whatever you want me to say. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send it into the deep fake AI and see what comes out. <laughs> Yeah, that, like the this conversation that we were on, though, you know, what's interesting is like if if every person realized, you know, there's like an infinite wellspring of energy inside of every being, like there's a tremendous amount of energy inside of us, right? And if we if we can't really get to like tap into our heart and feel what we want to do and express that, that energy is going to get all twisted up and contorted in you. And if you can't find what turns you on creatively, you're, you're most likely going to, that energy is going to hurt yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, it's each individual's kind of responsibility in, in a way to try to maybe get outside of their mind and tap into their heart and, and create a clear conduit for that energy. And I think, right now is such a great time for people to take stock of who am I? Like, how do I really feel? Mm-hmm. And you know, like, cause in a way I, I have at least feel like a personal responsibility that like I have to figure out how to use this strange personality personality I have and use it as a vehicle for peace, for peace with myself and others, you know? And mm-hmm. you hope in a way that, you know, there's probably going to be millions of people that start finding that because of this strange time. And unfortunately, I think a lot of other people are going to get more twisted up too. But hopefully, you know, maybe somebody hears this and then shares that idea or something, you know, just the act of talking creatively about a situation, uh, you know, is an offering. I always think about like if one person hears a conversation and it, it impacts them, then that's enough. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, I don't. I'm not really trying to set out to like, 
totally transform and revolutionize the world. But if I can make a small impact in the life of one person through some kind of thing I do, whether that's a conversation or a work of art, mm-hmm. you know, then then I'm stoked. That's exactly. great. It's like what I did was worth it, you know? Totally. Yeah. I, and then an echo of that, you know, every person that person comes across, there's an echo of it that's being shared, you know, influencing one person in a positive way can end up hitting millions possibly you never know yeah i think it's important like what you were saying jake to kind of focus on the the micro level in this case where Mm -hmm. you you want to change the world of course but just by being yourself and and saying it like it is or painting it how you feel you are affecting the world in that way Mm because like one person can touch uh you know thousands of people Oh, yeah. especially now with like a, you know social media internet and all that stuff mm-hmm. um but i wanted to get back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago about figuring out what kind of turns you on creatively uh how did you i guess come to the realization or because i'm trying to think about our listeners like um if someone's out there listening, like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, how do you find that creative outlet and, and choose, I guess, what you want to do? If you have any advice. Yeah. Like for me, it's always, it's always been really obvious. Like I get kind of fixated on or fascinated about things and that Mm -hmm. it's obvious of what I want to do. And I've been that way since I was like a little kid, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I've never really struggled so much with this idea of, I don't know what I want to do. And for me, it's, it's like, I feel inspired to do something and I might put off doing that thing for a while, but mm-hmm. it's like very clear that, that, that that's a thing I at least want to try and explore. Yeah. I think I, I, I dive into things kind of like, like I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, if I try something and I don't like it, or if it doesn't go anywhere, it's, it's not a big deal to mm-hmm. me. I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. People start painting and they expect that the first painting they ever make is going to be a, a masterpiece. <laughs> no, nope. they get they beat themselves up when it's not. And it's really important to just under just to not really engage with it, seeking some kind of external result. I think, but just yeah. doing it because it's something that like you're curious about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for me, curiosity that's been the main thing. Yeah. Like, like I really love learning about things and I really love figuring out kind of how things work and learning new art forms. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And so, so I tend to explore different art forms just uh, for just to satiate that, that curiosity and that impulse, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think an artist is someone who has stayed in touch with like their inner child. And because I remember when I was a little kid, like art. Mm-hmm art was my thing like drawing was was what i was good at and what i loved and then i kind of lost track of that for a while like during my teens and early 20s and so i think maybe like maybe if someone could remember what they were into when they were like six yeah yeah (laughs) for sure you know totally yeah i don't know and another thing too is uh i think maybe if you aren't expressing yourself much but maybe there's somebody who is creative that you find inspiring you're probably inspired be you're inspired by them because they're doing something that is inside of you Mm -hmm. 
so like what I started finding a lot was people that were really inspiring me. Like I'm kind of almost in a way becoming those aspects that I was inspired by because that potential was inside of me mm-hmm. and I was seeing it outside of me and it was lighting me up. So maybe if you have lost track, it's like, I don't know. Do you like really dig a certain rapper or like, <laughs> you know, is there like a cartoon you really dig? Like start cartooning or start fucking recording yeah. rhymes or something, you know, mm-hmm. like go for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If there's just something that you like, like, probably that's a good place to start like if you're really inspired by you know crazy paintings maybe start painting yeah but yeah if you like if you're really inspired by some rapper you really enjoy that art like maybe rapping's the thing for you yeah fuck who knows go for it motherfuckers (laughs) go for it do it yeah there's so much fear it blocks people so much Mm -hmm. people are so afraid of trying something and sucking at it it's not like it's not that bad to suck at something. No. You know, like, we've it, all been there. It's yeah. actually pretty cool. You know? We've all been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's way more badass to suck at something than not even try, you know? Yeah. For sure. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, you are talking about visionary art earlier. Um, what ex- exactly, or not exactly, does uh, visionary <laughs> art mean to you? I don't know, but when I use the hashtag on Instagram, I get more likes. <laughs> Dude, same. <laughs> I don't. Well, I think I think of it like um, I think of visionary art. I think as like a thing that's anchoring in a kind of like higher dimensional perspective, mm-hmm. and that the art that comes from that higher dimensional perspective that's visionary art. But over the years, I've sort of toyed with a lot of different definitions of it because there's a lot of painters that I might consider visionary artists that other people wouldn't, like Beksinski, for example, yeah. or Giger, even. It's mm-hmm. like really dark and not really what I think the kind of West Coast or, you know, like American festival scene would consider visionary art so much because <laughs> it's not like, you know, light and fluffy and colorful, but it's definitely coming from an, an extra dimensional yeah. place where when I look at, Giger's work or I look at Dekshinsky's work it's like they're anchoring in summing into this realm that's from another place or another realm and I've just had experiences with psychedelics and with uh, you know lucid dreaming and a lot of other modalities to explore my consciousness where I've uh, been in contact with these kinds of other dimensions or other realms that seem to have some kind of tangibility to me and that fascinates me and I'm endlessly curious about what that is and I just try to like I think that's something worth expressing and trying to kind of report back on you know it's kind of like when when people were first exploring the Americas and it was before photography and people would go and make landscape paintings and Mm -hmm. then bring them back to Europe so people could see it Mm -hmm. it's like I, I I kind of see the the role of visionary art being the same thing, but for these kind of less charted territories of our minds and consciousness. Nice. Yeah. That's a great metaphor. It's interesting, right? That's really cool. Like cartographers of different dimensions or something. You yeah. Know? It's like everybody's yeah. discovered all the shit here. So, yeah. <laughs> Yo, do you think tool? Yeah, well, well, I was going to, I was going to yeah. ask you if you think tool falls under uh, visionary art. Cause I was just thinking, oh I don't, I don't know why, <laughs> but like, I was just like, oh, that's, that's like tool. Cause you were you brought up Beck Skinsky and, uh, and Giger and 
the soundtrack, you know, like Tempest just came on in my head or something when you said those two names. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about Tool, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm down to talk about Tool for as long as you want. But, yeah, I, I see I see them as being – it's like a, more of a shamanistic role, I guess, because mm-hmm. they're, they're transmuting energy in a really tangible way through – I mean – music as a medium is a lot more kind of visceral for being able to work with people's energy than painting is. I think painting is yeah. like a lot more subtle. Yeah. So they're, I mean, I've had experiences with their music throughout my whole life, but especially when I was younger where it was, I was able to take this kind of like angst or frustration and pain that I felt as like a teenager and through their music, it was like alchemizing it into these more exalted states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was powerful. Like it was medicine for me. And I think that's like totally. visionary as fuck. You know? That's like, a, it's like an ayahuasca ceremony, but like th- through listening to a, a prog rock album, you know? Hell yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so what kind of shit do you like to do? Uh, you know, besides making art, like to tune into yourself or tune into maybe these other dimensions, do you have like regular meditation practices or psychedelic use or anything like that? Uh, lately I've been microdosing, uh, pretty frequently with psilocybin mushrooms and that's been just really, really beneficial to my overall wellness and, and state of being. Uh, I, I, I spend a lot of time doing like nothing, you know, like I go yeah. off into nature and I'll just kind of like sit and be and not be on my phone. Um, I think that is so important and it's something that so few people take time really to prioritize uh-huh. or it's like to actually get your consciousness to a place where you're genuinely relaxed and present. Yeah. Cause most of the time if people are not working, they're still occupying their mind with something like they're scrolling on social media or they're working on some side gig or they're like watching TV. It's, it's really good for our nervous system to just get to a place where we can do nothing and just yeah. relax. Uh-huh. You know, and there's such a there's such a stigma against that, and it's a program that I've had to fight so hard to break. Because for so long, if I were to do that, I would start feeling kind of like anxious and like mm-hmm. sort of beat myself up for it, and like start criticizing myself for being lazy and being like, "You should be working on this painting or whatever." But yeah, it's it's not only our birthright, but it's one of the healthiest things that we can do to actually take time out specifically to just be, yeah, you know, and, and it's amazing. Also, I think about drawing is the same kind of thing because you, it really attunes your attention to be able to notice really, really subtle things that you wouldn't normally notice. But when you do get to that place where you're just kind of in nature and really relaxed and open, you start to see this kind of whole world unfold before you that you didn't even really notice was there and it kind of puts you in contact with history being of and that's you back okay yeah (laughs) it it just puts you in contact with the with the mystery if you can get into that place of, of seeing all this stuff going on that you can't totally comprehend and it fascinates me and i find that to be really inspiring and uh, yeah, I, I, I've had a pretty regular meditation practice too and have explored different forms of meditation. I've done a lot of Vipassana meditation retreats and kind of trained more mostly in that. But I've done also 
TM and I had a TM teacher here. And um, yeah, lately I've been exploring kind of more more Tibetan style med- meditation uh, through reading books by this teacher, Pema Chodron, who oh, I nice. really love. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, yeah, and I like breathwork too. Breathwork is is great. Hell yeah. And breathwork takes you from really psychedelic places without needing to ingest anything. Just you get so getting high, high on your own yeah. supply. It's crazy how high you can get just from breathing rigorously. It's crazy. <laughs> Dude, it's so crazy. Yeah, and I think that a lot of depression and stuff like that is just kind of like a lack of like blood flow and oxygen yeah, in your body. So too. You start doing stuff like breath work and it just mm. gets like all the energy flowing again. What's crazy is I've noticed like a lot of emotion can come out with breath work too. Like uh, dormant emotions, like crying and everything. And it feels mm-hmm. wonderful, like this pent up energy inside of you. Yeah. That's yeah, all- that's such a big thing. I think that like a lot of people have a lot of ego defenses around their emotions and especially as men be- being trained to not really be emotional or to have to be kind of stoic mm-hmm. and just like tough things out. Like it's like sometimes you just need to let the emotions kind of like go through you and and yeah. like let them do their thing, mm-hmm. move to wherever they need to move to and then you feel a thousand times better afterwards. Yeah, right? You know? And it's like I mean, it's like some badass shit to not be scared of your emotions because when you let emotion move through you, you feel so much better on the other side. Right. And like, in a way, it's like yeah. some, it's some manly shit. Yeah, in a it's way, like it's, the most manly thing you can yeah. do. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and when you really, when you get into deep practices around kind of like self-exploration and self-work, like working with psychedelics or you know doing ayahuasca ceremonies or breath work or uh, extended meditation retreats you really find how deeply uncomfortable it can be sometimes to really confront yourself and your own emotions uh-huh. and yeah, i have i have deep respect for people who have especially people who have spent years in silence and in monasteries and stuff and like i know the the private agony that they had to go through and, <laughs> yeah. and the kind of like heroic struggle that they went through within their own minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> um, wait, was it? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to speak to, uh, cause I've been grooving on that same thing as you too, you know, like turning off the phone and going out in nature and doing nothing, you know, for years I was like, I got to get great at art. And if I wasn't making art, somehow I was failing or not living up to my potential. And I've started noticing in the past year, you know, like turning off and watching. Uh, do you ever feel, do you ever get that feeling when you go out in nature without your phone and like you'll feel boredom for a, mm-hmm. like boredom comes up for and, like and you're minutes. like, yeah. And you're like scared of boredom because we're so used to like dopamine hits constantly. And then that wave of boredom, like we're all just like tirelessly trying to not be bored and and then boredom comes up and it lasts for 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden this tremendous peace washes over you and like the system balances out. And yeah, like did you have that feeling too for a while where you kind of touched on it, you know, like if you weren't making art and you weren't doing, you weren't actively working towards your mission, somehow you were like, not, you're not doing it or you're not living up to your potential, but it's kind of bullshit, you know, 
We need time to rest yeah, and recharge. Yeah. It's such bullshit. And it comes from um, a program within Western culture that says that you have to be a somebody. You have to be a something in order to kind of deserve love and respect, you know? And that's yeah. like a really shitty program that's just part of our system. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's 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 been a journey for me to disidentify so much with being an artist because it was kind of a way for me to try to um, justify my own existence or, yeah, or right. something like that. Like, no, no, see, like, I'm worthy. Like, I'm contributing. I'm doing this thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, love me, please. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And it's like, you don't actually need to do that or, or anything. Yeah. You know, like, I paint because I enjoy it and I, and I love it and it serves some purpose for other people. But I think that I'm starting to move closer to a place where I could probably give it up and, and like be fine, like walk mm-hmm. away from it. And it, and, and like, I'm, I'm not as identified with it as I used to be that that wouldn't completely shatter me. Yeah. You know, totally. And yeah, that boredom, that boredom thing too, man, like it's so, it's so crazy how afraid we are of even really minor discomfort. Uh-huh. And when it, when it comes like Pema Chodron actually was talking in one of her talks about like, what if, what if people actually had to like sit on an airplane and do nothing for like an hour? It's <laughs> yeah. like, would everybody just like freak out? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Know, Cause there's so many distractions against people just kind of like feeling that uneasiness that comes with just existing, Yeah, you know, like yeah. to actually look at and like sit with the feeling of being alive in this uh, existential vacuum that, that we're in. Uh-huh. And, when you actually do it though, like when you actually take time out to be with that, then it's kind of funny. It's like, well, that wasn't so bad. Right. Not at all. You know? Yeah. Like, what was I so afraid of? Like, it, why, you know? It's like getting to the top of a roller coaster almost. Maybe not as like uh, thrilling as a roller coaster, but it's like, you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then you get to the top and then you drop and you're like, this is fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> you know, this is so fun. Yeah. I'm having a blast. And it's, I think it's great to be able to, to just give up the, the worry, uh, you know, that we're so inundated with and probably just as like physical beings, we're probably kind of just programmed biologically to be a bit anxious, but I think there's some kind of wisdom in accepting uncertainty or, you know, a lack of, stimulation mm-hmm. or a lack of like uh uh dopamine as you put it yeah like not really giving a fuck how many instagram followers you have and you know i've i've caught myself before for sure like equating like numbers to oh these people must really like me as a person meanwhile like maybe like a hundred people that follow me actually know who I am. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah, I don't know that it's, I think meditation and being in nature, drawing, just doing whatever you have to do. Those are things that can really relax a person into it's like deeper way of like being in the world. That's like, and, and you get freed up from, as we were saying, so much bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being in yourself too. I, I think we we distract ourselves a lot, you know, like with Instagram followers or something. That's not you, right? 
and we're constantly kind of distracting ourselves from ourself, <laughs> you, you know? And then what's funny is like a lot of things that you're scared of or you're scared to look at and they seem like a dark corner simply by being brave enough to acknowledge it and look at it like your own awareness casts light on anything you look at. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, it's not that scary in there. Yeah. Being bold enough to look. Just realizing that like everything's kind of a part of this like umbrella of what would you call it? Like just consciousness maybe like like your consciousness is not separate from like who you are and like looking in those dark corners is like you're like oh cool that's like a part of me nice <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah we're we're all one of the infinite tendrils of the flying spaghetti monster you know <laughs> all hail his noodliness <laughs> all those noodliness but yeah it's kind of it's kind of like having a, like a dirty house or something like you just have like dishes piled up from like weeks and weeks yeah and and like you look at it and you're like oh like i don't, I don't want to deal with that so you just like keep ignoring it like that's what we're all doing within our like selves uh-huh. you know it's like so many people just like they have this this grief or they have this angst or this pain or this anxiety that people are just like when they get close to it or just like oh, i'm not not today yeah mm. Like in the house, like tend the garden of yourself, mm-hmm. then you have an opportunity to, um, like you feel better, you feel way better. Yeah, exactly. When you're like, wow, like I addressed the, the thing that was making me feel anxious, like I, I really looked at it, I went there. Yeah, and some, sometimes you just need to go there. Like, people are like, they don't want to like freak out, they don't want to like cry whatever it is and you know they have all this defense sometimes you just kind of need to to let it's it's almost like relating to yourself like your your own like little child or something like Mm -hmm. yeah like kids like they cry like whatever they they express their emotions and then they're fine yeah yeah totally the difference between children and adults is that adults are trained to have to just bottle this stuff up and just like contract around it and the minute you mm-hmm. just open and it's like such an even if there is temporary discomfort it's always followed by a much much deeper level of peace and ease exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then what what the fuck happens when you make a habit of that in your life you know yeah then you're free and uh you can be a nice friend <laughs> and you don't yeah. you don't explode you just kind of let it off in little bursts or yeah. like steam uh steam let letting out or whatever <laughs> it really helps with with creativity too like if i'm all tense like i can't really paint very well yeah right. you know if, I, if i'm in a good place in my body and mind and spirit then i can really focus and relax and concentrate a lot deeper Mm-hmm. on whatever it is i'm creating oh yeah you know so sometimes if i'm not in a really great place and i sit down to paint it's like it's confronting you know and it's like uncomfortable to just sit there and have to work on this thing without some kind of distraction outside of myself but if i'm in a more clear place then then it can like hours can just disappear mm-hmm. lost lost in the sauce baby <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, I've, um like yesterday I, a friend came over and I drew her portrait, you know, and I used to do that all the time. Like I spent 4 years in and out of art school training with 
models and doing a lot of life drawing and it was it's the first time I've done that like actually sat with somebody and drew their portrait in a while and it was just so sweet mm-hmm. like it felt so it's like so quiet and such a peaceful experience and I remember back when I was in art school and everybody's super concentrated and it's totally quiet. Yeah. It's kind of like being in a monastery mm-hmm. or something like that. Hell yeah. You know, and it's like, I love, I love like live painting and like having, you know, like loud bass music pumping and all like the crazy activity and like being high and like whatever, like that's, that's great. And I've had tons of fun doing that, but there's also something so nourishing about just the intimacy of like drawing somebody and, and how, quiet and like peaceful and sweet mm-hmm. that is yeah just appreciating the subtleties a little bit more and how rich that is too you know like it's fun to get blasted but what's cool is like when you quiet down you realize how exciting just this or like how interesting the smallest little nuance is too mm-hmm. and with with portraits too you can you're kind of like when you're doing someone's portrait live you're kind of like peering into their soul and they're being vulnerable enough to to just it's like, here's my face, you know, like this is, (laughs) you're going to see stuff here. Um, so like, yeah, like you were saying, it's, it's very, uh, intimate practice. Yeah. It's vulnerable for me too, because the person that I'm drawing is always like, they're always so, you know, they're way more critical of that than they would be of just some random painting. Oh yeah. Better not fuck it up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You better not fuck it up. I always get like a bit nervous before I do it, but, um, yeah, it's really fun and definitely a very kind of intimate experience in that way. Oh, yeah. Like speaking to your art, uh, like you have uh, multiple disciplines that you're pursuing. Uh, what kind of stuff have you been focusing on lately? Uh, I have some paintings that I'm working on that are in traditional media, acrylic paintings. One that I've been working on for a while that's getting pretty close to being finished. And lately I've been doing actually. Oh, dang it. Hold up a sec. Okay. Can you say it again? Sorry. But yeah. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, lately I've been doing my own podcast where I've been interviewing people through Instagram Live. Oh, cool. And that's been really cool. Because, like, I've had this idea to do podcasts for years just because I know a lot of really interesting people. And mm-hmm. it's like right. almost one of my superpowers or something is just like being connected with a lot of really amazing folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, had a, I had a chance to meet Duncan Trussell at the MAPS conference like a few years ago. Oh, yeah. And I remember, I remember, I love Duncan Trussell, but I remember saying to him like, man, like I know all these people like that you should have on your show. And mm-hmm. I was like, I remember I sent him like an email or someone with like a list of people that I thought that he should like interview because I was I was really fascinated with them and he never did anything with that like I don't think he ever had any of those people on his podcast <laughs> and then later on I was like why don't I just like exactly. start my own podcast totally why don't I talk to them like why why do I have to give my my gold away to somebody else exactly <laughs> totally yeah but, yeah it's, it's been really cool. Like, I'm sure you guys have this experience too, but it's kind of like each person I talk to has like a transmission or something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And through these conversations, I've been more transformed through these conversations than I ever anticipated I would be. Yeah. They've totally. all been teaching me something, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's like, it's such a, it's such a cool thing. And, and just the quality and depth of conversation too, that you get to have, 
when you open that space up, it's like a uninterrupted, deep stream of conversation that you you wouldn't have if I just sort of saw one of these people casually and was talking to them somewhere, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, wild. It's it's a kind of our impetus was there's so many cool people that yeah that we know, and specifically here in Colorado, and I was just tired of trying of like getting into cool conversations for a little bit at shows and then the bass would rattle real loud and someone else would come by and jump in and we didn't get a chance to go deeper you know um but yeah i'm real grateful for it i think i don't think about how much it's transformed me so much but i know that it has it's brought you know what i mean it's broadened my perspective like crazy man yeah for sure it's like each one's like this little magic ritual and you sit in there and then you're like, you're just like humming at the frequency of this other person and, mm-hmm. and like you like take on their worldview and, and like reality shifts for that time that you're with that person. And even for like maybe even a few days or weeks after all of a sudden the way you're looking at the world is shifted because you've just been sharing this deep conversation with somebody that is like, you know, very influential and like yeah alive right right i'm just real grateful for the medium because it's kind of like the one place in our lives i mean besides just everyday intimate relationships that you have where you can kind of corral someone into just speaking their mind for like an hour (laughs) and a half or two and uh yeah yeah it's like you got to integrate it's like this ongoing integration process and and synthesizing like other people's valid points and Mm -hmm. sometimes being like well that maybe that's not for me or but you know i don't know it's really really awesome it's a it's a service for other people too you know like you're providing a platform for them to share their message and i think i like doing it for that reason too because it feels like it's less about me so much and it's it's more a way to kind of like give back to these people that I really respect and admire. Mm-hmm. And it is funny how these people, if you ask them like, Hey, do you want to just like talk sometime? They might be like, I'm kind of busy, but right. you're like, what if we talk some time and we record it? Yeah. You're like, I'm so down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the difference between prostitution and porn, you know, it's like, if you get it, if you have a video camera there, it's legit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, what kind of, um, do you have any sort of big goals or ideas of where you'd like to go in the future? Mm. Well, I mean, like I, I, some of my goals are like, I'd like to be more kind of established, I guess, as a kind of teacher or something. Like I, I really like, teaching is something that I've really enjoyed and I think I'm, I'm good at. And if I want to do more workshops, I did my first retreat, um, last summer. Mm-hmm. Hold up. Cut out for a sec. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're so ba- I, you're back. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did my, my first retreat and near Amsterdam in collaboration with this organization called truffles therapy. Oh yeah. I was talking about truffles. Guys, therapy. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like they they do legal psilocybin therapy mm-hmm. with people. That's right. Um, and so I taught art workshops during that. Is there were like two high dose psilocybin journeys, and then 
microdosing throughout the rest of the week with a lot of other things, like all the transformational things, breath work and yoga and Jeez. sound healing and whatever. Sounds crazy, yeah. man. And it was people people coming from all over the world. And so that was really cool. And it's also, it was it felt really good to kind of see making a small impact in somebody else's life. You know, like one of the students was like in her 60s and she had been an architect and hadn't painted for years, like 40 years or something. But she really knew that she was an artist and she wanted to get back in touch with her creativity. And I think that week was the first time that she really felt like back in touch with that. And it made a big impact in her, her life. And that felt really good. Super um, cool. So yeah, definitely I'd like to I'd like to do more teaching stuff. I'd love to teach someday at like Cosm, you know, and I've right. asked them about that. They say they want me to gain a bit more experience teaching before doing that. But I have an online workshop coming up with um, the Vienna Academy of Visionary Art in like a couple weeks for this fundraiser thing that they're doing. And yeah, would love to do more stuff like that, kind of more speaking and more teaching and um kind of more educational stuff, I guess, for other people who are on their creative journeys. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then for creative goals, I, I've had a vision for a long time of, of painting the 22 major arcana of the tarot, but oh, doing, yeah. like, huge, you know, and, like, I, I look at this project and I made it out to be this huge thing in my mind and it's kind of deterred me from starting it because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to do these like 22 paintings. It's going to take me like 20 years to finish this <laughs> right. project because they're going to be like massive, <laughs> you know, and super detailed and, and crazy. But maybe I just really need to just sit down and just like yeah. start doing it. Just start sketching, you know, get the ball rolling. I do have, yeah, I mean, I've got like sketchbooks filled with like studies and notes and stuff, but I haven't actually made any of those paintings yet and it i i have some paintings that i'm working on that are in progress that i want to finish mm -hmm. i want to get to a place where i'm sort of totally clear like if i have any commissions outstanding like they're they're all done yeah and i just have nothing else to do and i can really dive into that yeah so it'll happen <laughs> totally precisely when it's the right time for that to happen exactly <laughs> Well, another good thing about podcasts is when you talk about things like this, and I've talked about like doing murals and stuff, and you're kind of holding your own feet to the fire when you're like, I'm going to do this, and then now it's recorded forever. So yeah, everyone's going to be like, hey, where's those paintings, Jake? Where are they? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Have you done a mural yet? Yeah, I've done, uh, I've done four now. Um, Dude, yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd also like to do more. And uh, so I'm going to put that out there again and, and make sure that uh, I hold myself accountable to that. But again, also there's the balance of not being too hard on yourself and being like, I need to be doing something all the time or else I'm failing. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to yeah, just hit both like sides. Not, not too tight, not too loose, I think. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. how you got to be. It's like tuning things. a guitar. Like you, you can't just... You can't totally fall into entropy and just like stop doing anything and just let your your life's ambitions completely go. But right. at the same time, you can't be too neurotic about it. Yeah. Right, right. It's kind of like surfing in a way, you know, like I, I feel like we every once in a while you catch a big wave of like crazy creative output or a great mm -hmm. project and then the wave crashes, you know, but you just got to stay on your board and just be ready to catch the next wave kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I tried surfing once and it was like just to chafe my nipples real bad. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stand up. <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at. I liked being in the water, but it was a it was a primarily negative experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, body surfing. How about that? You know. Yeah. Boogie boarding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. pretty sick on the boogie board. I'm not gonna lie. Like, Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> surfing though, I was horrible. Yeah. Like I tried to get up on it and it just kept slapping me in the chest. And I was, after about 40 tries. It's so hard. Yeah. It's I, I much respect for any surfers out there. Shouts to them. Shouts to surfers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and they're well-defined lat muscles. And, yeah. <laughs> Those glistening abs. Damn it. <laughs> Is it hard? Yeah. I love snowboarding, though. It's cool that you guys uh, live in a place where that's so like accessible. I don't do that either. <laughs> you don't? Yeah. I don't really either. I, um, the last time I, I did skiing and snowboarding, I was 15 and not like fully aware of my, you know, body at that point. And, uh, snowboarding, I tried it one day and skiing the other and snowboarding, I was mainly on my butt the whole time. <laughs> and I kind of like fucked up my knee a couple of years ago. And, you know, the orthopedic surgeon was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't snowboard anymore. And I was like, cool. I, I don't. <laughs> 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 so that worked out pretty nicely <laughs> right. um but yeah do you so do you you visit colorado every now and then right are you i only visited colorado a few times but man like i've thought about relocating there so many times mm-hmm. yeah just because of what, what seems to be like like cooking over there is it's really nice mm-hmm. yeah yeah it'd be cool for you to come out man it'd be nice to meet you in person sometime yeah, dude, I would love to. You know, I was going to go back to the States actually last month before this whole kind of thing happened. And I was going to show my art at some events in the Bay Area and then maybe go over to Colorado after that. And then yeah. just all my plans got kind of changed. Yeah. And I, yeah. Definitely, I definitely think just being here for now is is definitely the right decision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when things hopefully when things relax and travel is opened up more, I would love to come and hang out in Colorado. I really loved it when I was there. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. I, I think I thought that because I think that's where we met was in Colorado yeah. like seven, eight years ago or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been out there a few times for some things and yeah, just I, like it's, there's such a thriving community there. I know so many people mm-hmm. that live and, Older Denver. It's it's one of the highest concentrations of psychedelic visionary artists in the whole world. The highest. Yeah, yeah. it's getting crazy. Definitely at this point. the highest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my high baby dude. <laughs> Fuck it. It's like everyone's learning about the concept of saturation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that something that you've really noticed? You I, I mean, I like it. I think the more the merrier. But yeah, it's just I'm like for it. everybody's painting like so you've been to cervantes out here maybe in denver i did go to cervantes actually no so everybody here it's like the 10 15 Folsom of colorado yeah yeah it's um i'm not sure exactly the capacity i want to say somewhere between eight and eight hundred and fifteen hundred um but they had 
like 24 painters up in there <laughs> like like right before the covid lockdown thing happened and it was just like man this is fucking epic <laughs> um but yeah anyway i digress there's a lot a of people bit. painting yeah there's a lot of people painting and i was trying to make a saturation joke yeah. it's also a high saturation of thc in people's blood dude <laughs> <laughs> is yeah, it definitely is it uh difficult at all to get art supplies like acrylic paints and stuff out in bali no there's tons of painters here um okay. but there's a lot of local balinese painters that are actually quite good and um but it's mostly through this kind of traditional balinese style that it's like i really appreciate it on a technical level but i'm not really that into the way it looks yeah mm-hmm. uh but yeah, there's lots of art stores in Ubud where I live actually is the art central of Bali. So nice. there's the higher concentration of artists in Ubud, Balinese people, than anywhere else in in Bali. So yeah, there's um there's a few pretty much, you know, same quality art stores that you'd find in the US or in Europe here. Okay. Cool. Is, is it hard to get weed out there? <laughs> it, it's it's super illegal. Yeah. And yeah. uh and like super expensive as a result if yeah. you want to get it yeah it's like and it's not good quality yeah. it's like really weak yeah so I don't oh you're cutting out like really, really does that you just cut out sorry again. you cut out that whole <laughs> sentence or whatever I'm can sorry. you still hear me yeah, yeah. I can, we can now, now we yeah. can okay yeah i was just saying you know it's like it's not really a big popular thing here right yeah and so it's not i really i do very much anymore right it's nice like sometimes but yeah it's not really like a huge part of my life anymore like it was at one point right yeah i go back and forth i like sometimes i'll be like sober from it for months at a time and then i'm like kind of ease back into it and then all of a sudden i'm you know smoking every night or whatever and <laughs> well and in boulder i would imagine like you just go outside and take like a whiff of just the air and you're like fuck i'm stoned again <laughs> I wasn't even trying so to get hard stoned. pretty much so hard to stay sober out here <laughs> we, yeah or that or like you just get uh, a package of like a vape pen and some joints accidentally mailed to your house uh, <laughs> did you see that happen to martin you, no. Yeah, like somebody used like a, a a fake return address and it had his name on it. Sorry if I'm blowing you up, Martin, but uh, <laughs> it had it had a different address but his name on it, and they eventually brought it to his house. Like, Is, isn't that like a federal crime? I, yeah, I think so. But it was time, like it, it was like apparently a legit dispensary um, that was mailing it to someone. With, like, a real sweet, like, note inside. Like, I guess it was going, you know, somewhere where it was still illegal in the States. And uh, had, like, a real sweet note, like, oh, I hope you guys enjoy. But it was, like, a vape pen and, like, several pre-rolled joints or something. <laughs> Dead. But do, do you find yourself, like, yeah. a little more clear uh, without it? Yeah. it's. I mean, it's, like, a different different state of consciousness i guess like i like all the different states of consciousness right but yeah i guess more clear you could say mm-hmm. you know i like 
Yeah, I like feeling really lucid and functional. And also, I, I get into this um, this place sometimes where I don't want to feel reliant on anything. Mm-hmm. It used to be like a really big part of my ritual. Like I'd smoke weed and make art like every day. And that was the ritual around making art. And yeah, I, I think that I wanted to challenge that. Like I didn't want to get to a place where I felt like I needed to be stoned in mm-hmm. order to be creative and see if I could get into that same like flow state without it. Mm-hmm. So, so I kind of just stopped smoking weed for a while and just, just kind of like, yeah, trying to nurture that state more on the natch. <laughs> yeah. Totally. But, it's, it's pretty fucking but, I easy. Mean, I haven't, I've, I've been taking, uh, you know, like psilocybin mushrooms pretty regularly, though, <laughs> which yeah. has been, been really nice too. But it's different. Like I find like, I find even taking like LSD or taking psilocybin actually it like puts me in a, a much clearer state of mind than I am when I, when, when I smoke weed. Totally. Actually. I agree. Yeah, for sure. But I'm like, like right now, for instance, I'm pretty caught up in the whole like ritual of like taking a hit and then starting to paint. And for me, it takes like, I don't know, like maybe five or six days of not smoking at all. And, and then I feel like I can like get there more on the natch and like, I don't know, whenever I like take a little bit of weed, I'm like, well shit, I better be painting right now. Like I'm not going to just be getting high for no reason. You know what I mean? But, I get, but like you were saying, it's like, like stoner's guilt. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just kind of like, you know, I don't know. It does something with my energy and my motivation right then and there. But then like the motivation at other times is kind of like where to go. It, it like wanes away in this weird way. Um, so yeah, we're getting way off topic, but just gotta show that's up and cool. paint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's the main point for sure is like you just show up and <laughs> just do the damn thing. Do your thing. Be yourself. Dude, I think if, if like it's not hurting you or if it's not hurting anybody and it helps your creative process and it's something you enjoy, like, fuck yeah, man. Like, right. it's great. Right. You know, and I'll probably I'll probably have another stoner phase in my life. Like I'm, you know, sure, like, even sure. if I'm not really on that page right now, like I can't say that I won't be right in a year from now or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm just curious, have you seen any wild shit in Bali? I mean, they have pretty wild ceremonies like all the time here. Mm-hmm. Uh where I've seen I've witnessed people essentially possessed. That's pretty strange. Wow. Uh, they, they just like, there's a big temple by my house and uh, they do ceremonies at night that are really intense. Mm-hmm. Like they play these things called gamelons. They're like, uh, they're kind of like, they're what are they like xylophones or like Balinese xylophones, but they're all like in this weird tuning and they play with these crazy polyrhythms and it's really loud and like eerie sounding. Hell yeah. And then they, they dress up in these kinds of like mythical, outfits and they they play out these dramas of these stories of hindu gods right on. and it's just go like crazy and those ceremonies are so loud and so intense and they go on times till like three in the morning wow. and lately actually since the whole you know situation with the covid19 thing they've stopped doing that and it's been nice to just have like peace and quiet <laughs> at night i've been breathing like so much more deeply because when i first got to bali all those things were like wow but then you start to live 
live here and then you're like oh my god like another super loud <laughs> ceremony at two in the morning again you're like i just want to sleep like come on <laughs> or like processions they do like you know spiritual processions all the time which is also like cool to see but when you're trying to go somewhere yeah and there's a traffic block for like miles because you're doing this religious procession then it, it's not so cute anymore <laughs> right but you guys try to commune with the gods get out of the way i gotta go get a bagel <laughs> do they have bagels down there yeah i'm gonna be late to my med- meditation yeah. <laughs> you need bagels i know where to go <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got that bagel hookup? That's what's up. I got that bagel hookup, man. I know where to get good bagels here. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, um, should we hit him with the... Uh, yeah, so um, I guess we'll we'll start to wrap up here. Um, usually we ask our guests, like, if you could go back and either tell yourself or... Uh, a young artist give give them some advice whether it's about art or whether it's about sustaining yourself off art or or even just like you know wellness advice what kind of advice would you give um trust in the process and don't be so hard on yourself you know like i i used to be like really aggressive Mm-hmm. Uh, to myself and and really punish myself a lot when I when I didn't feel like I was meeting my own standards um, and had I like I, I probably would be in the same place that I'm at now but I could have done with being a bit more just like gentle to myself also oh yeah and yeah just to trust that it's all gonna work out you yeah. know because like we already are what we are right all we have to do is just be ourselves mm-hmm. like that's really all we're called to do in life is just to basically reclaim our authenticity and so it's, it's like yeah like like i'm an artist i probably would be i don't need to force that you know totally mm-hmm. relax into just being who i am and i'm still going to be an artist and i don't need to get all contracted and fearful and anxious about it Hell yeah. so i yeah i would, I would that that's what I would tell my younger self. And I, I hope that that is also useful to anybody that's listening. Cause there's probably people who are kind of oriented in the same way that I was. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. I've been there too. Totally. Oh yeah. It's perfect. Maybe that's part of the process though. Is like, you <laughs> have to have this little phase that hopefully you grow out of that where you're like, anxious about not doing it or don't know how to be yourself yet. So you have to go through not being yourself to be yourself or something. (laughs) No. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, for sure. That's part of it. I think think that's kind of what we've been going through collectively as a planet. You know, it's like we're living way out of harmony and way out of alignment, way out of whack. Like we probably had to go there into like the depths that that's not where we want to be and just remember like oh yeah like we can we can live in a more harmonious way totally hell yeah yeah. well beautiful man yeah thanks so much for being on yeah 
was great to meet you. Yeah. It's great to meet you too, man. Yeah, it's, it's such a pleasure. I listen to your podcast all the time, so it's cool to make an appearance. Hell this yeah. is what the big times psychedelic art-related podcasting feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've made it. Very professional. Just a bunch of jokes and, <laughs> and advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks again so much, cool, man. Guys. Yeah, man. Look forward to yeah, seeing what you create. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you out here sometime yeah. soon. I would love that, man. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You know, yeah, you too, man. Too. Peace. Blessings. Yeah. Peace. Peace out. Bye, guys. We love you. Much love, y'all. Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at andrew.norris.arts on Instagram. And andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. I also have links on my website to episodes as well as all my best paintings. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at John Speaker. And on Facebook, John Speaker Art. And we want to give a special thanks to Blair Speaker, John's lovely wife and creative director of the podcast. She also updates the website and does all the podcast notes. So thank you, Blair. And we'd also like to thank Tyler Billman. He created the music for this podcast. You can find Tyler on SoundCloud and Instagram. His name is Get Billsman. That's G-E-T-B-I-L-L-S-M-A-N. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. (laughs) 